What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where you to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from uh, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, prayer. The list goes on and on and on. I will sit with your questions. I will pray with them and I will study them and hopefully I will respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint. But my advice is not infallible so my disclaimer is this i'm not perfect therefore the response i give to you might not be good for you if that's the case please reject whatever it is that i say that doesn't help you to grow in your relationship with jesus christ and you walk toward eternity but if it does help you to abide in relationship with god then please spend more time in prayer study and fellowship with the lord and his church so that god can give you the graces that you need to uh fill the demands of discipleship if you're a first-time listener, I want to invite you and encourage him with your own questions at www.essentialpress.com slash askfatherjosh, spell out A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. And you can also rate us and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and other podcast formats, as well as sharing us on your social media pages. This helps other people to find out about the show. If it's good for you, potentially it could become good for other people as well. Don't forget we have the new essentially presents ask father josh show on youtube which is different from the podcast um but that is available if you go on our youtube channel finally what are we talking about today on today's show today we're going to address these following questions how do we care for our parents without neglecting ourselves also we're going to talk about harry potter and what does the church teach about harry potter is it cool can we look at it can we read it or is it something that we should stay the heck away from and finally, we are going to address the question about how do we receive Holy Communion? Is it on the tongue or in the hands? But before we get into those really good questions, I want to share with you a glory story. All right, my glory story this week is is pretty amazing. So I actually have two glory stories. One, I want to give a quick shout out to to Mary Beth. She is a, I believe, a six year old girl from Independence, Louisiana, who likes to listen to this show. So shout out to you, Mary Beth. Your pastor, Father Ruben, said he wants you to give him a big old high five whenever you leave church next Sunday. Do it for me, uh, if not for him. Uh, but glory story is that my brother Sam, my brother's a hero, y'all. He was in the news last week for saving somebody's life. He went to the gas station just to go pick up a pizza and uh, some drinks for his family. And when he was, he's a fire inspector. And so he was in his uniform. But again, fire inspectors aren't cops. They, fire inspectors fight fires. And my dad was a cop. He was the captain of police. Mom was a nurse. So, and, but uh, anyways, my brother Sam's a fire inspector. And so he went to the gas station, got some pizza. Uh, you know, gas station food, it, It'd be having the best food in the world. I'm not even going to lie. When I was up in Sanimo, we had a gas station called Rende's. If you are from Sanimo and you listen to this show, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Rende's had the most fire Lebanese food ever. Like, it was so good. I used to go there all the time. Me and my staff used to always eat that Lebanese food from the gas station. It was better than any restaurant out there. Just heads up, don't don't sleep on the uh, gas station food. It is so good sometimes. But it would like mess up the stomach though too. It felt really good coming in, but yeah. 
it uh yeah I always sent let's <laughs> just say this if you're constipated <laughs> go eat some of that gas station food because it tastes really good but it will help you with other things in life but uh, my brother Sam went to the gas station and all of a sudden people ran out of the gas station and they were like hey so and so is getting stabbed to death like literally the cashier was getting getting stabbed to death in the gas station. And my brother, um, he's done this before. Like one time there was somebody who was drowning. He jumped in the water and risked his life to save the other person's life. Uh, but this, and his many fires he's been in. But um, yeah, he ran into the gas station and he began to wrestle with the guy who was was trying to kill the, the cashier. And the cashier was able to get away. But now my brother was uh, in there fighting with the guy and his life was on the line. And he could have, I mean, he literally could have died. It was it was uh, one of those situations where uh, he was at the point of death himself, but by the grace of God, he was able to, in the midst of wrestling with the guy, like talk to the guy and have a conversation with the guy and get the guy to sit down. And eventually the guy was arrested. My, but my, it was, I told my brother, I said, you got to get the tongues, bro. Because like literally you were able to have a conversation with this guy as you were wrestling with him, fighting for your life, protecting the life of someone else who you don't even know. So uh, it's just a, it's a great glory story, and I praise God for my brother. He is he's uh, for all my my brothers and sisters, but um, but in this case for Sam, man, what a gift, what a huge gift, and what an inspiration he is to me. So, shout out to my big brother Sam. If y'all haven't ever said a prayer for my family, today would be the day to just praise God for protecting him, um, for inspiring him to be a man of courage, a man of virtue, and uh, to be willing to lay down his life for somebody he didn't even know. Ah, what a what a hero. <clears throat> Reminds me of a song from Mariah Carey. <laughs> There's a hero. <laughs> if you look inside your heart, okay, I'm gonna stop right now. I what is wrong with me? <laughs> we also have some feedback in from our previous show. This is from our our question that came in about smoking marijuana uh, for medical reasons, medicinal marijuana. Uh, the email says this. Thank you, Father Josh, for your prayers for, of healing and for answering my question about the use of medical marijuana. I've been feeling better with its use and I have not had to take more than an occasional 81 milligram aspirin for pain. My family notices the change in my mood and personality since beginning it. Pain always brings out the worst in a person, whether it be emotional, physical or spiritual, as you say. I wouldn't use it without the recommendation of a physician and your explanation of its use in the church's eyes, uh, gives me relief. Thank you again. You've given me peace. But praise God. My peace I give you. Peace I give to you. That's what Jesus Christ said to the apostles. And my friend, that is what I say to you. Peace be with you. Now, with that, let's go ahead and jump into today's show. All right, first question comes in uh, from Anonymous, and it is about how do we care for our parents without neglecting ourselves? Hey, Father Josh, thank you so much for your show and for your accessibility. I'm always edified by your podcast. My parents and my one remaining grandparent are aging and needing more and more care. Although I have siblings, I'm the one expected to and honestly probably the one willing to take care of them as they age. I feel burdened by this expectation, and I have some resentment already. And we seem to have many years more to go. Please help me to understand the balance between the duty to one's parents and one's own life. I want to search carefully, but I'm not there. Anonymous. Yeah, so God bless you, Anonymous. 
Number one, I just want to invite you to reverence your grief. I think that for many of us as our parents age, we begin to grieve and we're not aware that it's the grief that we're feeling because for so many years, our parents were able and they took care of us. And now they're, it's different. Like the relationship does change. And that's something that we, many of us aren't prepared for. So I just want to encourage you and invite you to, to reverence the grief that you might be experiencing or the fact that your parents are changing and the relationship is changing. And that's just not something that you ever thought of as, as, as a child or maybe even as a young adult. But I also want to encourage you, as you grieve, to be rooted in the Word of God. Remember, I always talk about the importance of sacred Scripture. The Word of God um, must order our steps in our walk toward eternity. We must be so immersed in the Word of God that it transforms the way that we think, the way that we feel, and the way that we act. The Word of God is so important. So the first thing I want to invite you to do is to begin to examine your life, examine your heart, and examine this question, how much time am I devoting to the sacred Scriptures, to the Word of God? Because... The thing with the Word of God is just the more time we spend with the Word of God, the more we think more with the mind of Christ and less with the mind of the, of the world. The Word of God tells us in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, that we are invited by our Lord to honor our father and to honor our mother, that we may have a long life in the land of the Lord that our God is giving us. Uh, whenever it comes to the Ten Commandments, the first three commandments are about God, but the, the next uh, seven commandments, I can count. Yes, even though I failed math, I can count praise be Jesus Christ, are, are about, about people. And, and the first one about people is number four, and it's honoring our father and honoring our mother. So what, is it, what does it mean to honor our father and mother? It certainly means to be obedient to them, but as we, as we age, uh, we're invited to also honor them in a different way. Like as a kid, we, we honor them by obeying them, by respecting them. But as we get older, we still obey them but, and respect them, but not if they tell us like, Right. If, if we're like living in California and they say, hey, come see me every Friday, we don't have to obey that command, right? Th things change. So that's not necessarily what honor always means. But it does mean to reverence them and to respect them and to give them their due honor as image bearers of God and as necessary members of the body of Christ. One thing I think is important for us to, to remember is that it was our parents who, for many of us, not all of us, because some of us have very broken families, but it was our parents, whether biological or adopted parents or foster parents. It was our parents who fed us and our parents who clothed us and our parents who provided shelter for us and our parents who spent many dollars on, our, on the health care and the education and the, that we received and the recreation that they provided for us throughout our youth and young age. And so they spent a lot of time devoting themselves to us, setting their own desires aside. And so we are invited as they age to, to do the same. I, I know personally so many people who are disciples of Jesus Christ, who are trying to be disciples of Jesus Christ, but sometimes they they don't fulfill the demands of Christ, as I don't either all the time as well. I'm not perfect. But one thing that disappoints me is whenever I notice some of them will be willing to spend thousands of dollars on a mission trip two times a year for you know a week at a time in a third world country, serving the poorest of the poor, pouring themselves out for the, for the poorest of the poor, which is very beautiful. Maybe spending once a week at a soup kitchen or a women's shelter or homeless shelter but they won't spend any money on their, their parents who are aging, who need groceries, who need a place to live, who need people to take care of them. They won't spend any time with their parents, but they spend all this time with other people. Um, and I, I think it's important for us to recognize that when we die, we will be held accountable on Judgment Day for how we fulfill the demands of discipleship that God gave us to us in the Ten Commandments. God did not give us 10,000 commandments. He gave us 10 commandments. And so one of those commandments is to honor our father and our mother. Bottom line is this, is not every Catholic is going to be faithful to the Word of God. And so if our family members, if our siblings are not being faithful to the Word of God, yeah, it's frustrating. Oh my goodness, it could be so frustrating at times. 
whenever our friends and our family are not being faithful to God's word, but that does not mean that therefore we are invited to also disobey God's word. God is inviting us to honor our parents by reverencing them. And if we have the if we have the capacity to pour ourselves out for their good, even if that means that we spend ourselves, even if that means that we are tired and exhausted, the way that they were tired and exhausted whenever they had to get up at 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. To, 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 to hold us as we were crying or to feed us or to be with us while we were sick, then, then we're invited to do the same. We are invited to do the same. Our life is not about ourselves. It's about others. Again, this is with reverence to your state of life. If you are a cloistered nun, you, you cannot leave the cloister to take care of your parents. If you are... If you have a family in a different state, you cannot leave your family every week to take care of your parents, right? So this, all this is dependent upon like what is our current state of life and what is our capacity, what is our availability. But even with that, when it comes to our availability, yeah, we are invited to imitate Jesus Christ crucified and pour ourselves out for the good of our parents. This is our way of growing close to God. Now, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it teaches us that, that we are invited to um, to serve our parents, and it's an act of worship to do so, um, of God. So our way of growing close to God, our way of getting proximate to our Lord, um, is by imitating what our parents did and providing for them their psychological, their emotional, their spiritual, and their material needs. But this, this is our way of growing close close to God. This is authentic discipleship. I'll be honest with you, it's easy to go to the soup kitchen once a week. It's easy to, to drop some coin on a mission trip, which again, they're, they're, those are good things to do, but it's it's responsible to to deny ourselves so that we can give to our parents. And if we are proximate to our parents, if we could do a holy hour with our parents, like you know, again, it's, it's easy to do a, sometimes even a holy hour with the Blessed Sacrament, and then but we can't get five minutes to our parents. Uh, I, I think the Lord will honor us giving a holy hour to our parents a couple of times a week, um, in addition to the time that we spend with them in prayer. So I will pray for you, and I'm sorry that it's difficult right now. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, but I, I must encourage you. This is, your, this, is, this is part of your path to salvation. It's by dying to your needs and, um, you know. I, again, and I, I say that with reverence to boundaries. Like you need to take care of yourself. You need to have days of rest. And so there needs to be balance in there. Communicate with your siblings about your desires for them to attempt to step up to the plate, you know, and, um, and you do need time to fill yourself up because you can't pour yourself out if you don't, if you haven't received. So find practical ways throughout the, the week to receive uh, both spiritual practices and also just physical, like go get a massage every now and then if you can afford it or something like that, go for a walk, um, go to, go to a good restaurant, go on a date with your spouse, you know, whatever. But, um, but yeah, we are invited by the Lord Jesus Christ to pour ourselves out for, for our elderly in our community, particularly our parents, who for many of us, not all of us, but for many of us who pour themselves out for us. All right. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our next question. This is a hot topic question. This might be the question that a lot of people wanted to hear on today's show is, what's the Catholic view on Harry Potter? This is from Yada. Yada writes this, what is the Catholic view on the Harry Potter series? So, all right. I'm just going to, we're going to jump in. And I must admit and acknowledge I've never read a single Harry Potter book in my life, uh, nor have I ever finished a movie. I've never bought it, rented it, uh, but when I've changed channels on TV, I've seen clips of it, but I've never been interested in it. I know some of my very good friends have read the books and have watched the movies and are big fans. I am not. And so that's the disclaimer. Uh, sometimes I respond to questions about topics that I'm not uber familiar with, but I have studied a lot about the topic. Uh, so 
Let's first go to this question within a question, if that's okay with you, Yada. Why is there hesitation on the part of some Catholics with the Harry Potter series? Okay, so that's a good question. Well, here's a response. There is an argument that has been made by some, quote-unquote, exorcists, uh, that the curses and spells that are used in Harry Potter, the books in the series, are real curses and they're real spells, which means that when they are read by real human beings like you and I, we potentially might be conjuring up evil spirits into our presence um, and we could be inviting them into our lives and our family's lives. So for those exorcists who make this claim, one of the reasons why they really object to these uh, curses and spells that they claim are real is because in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2117, it says this, all practices of magic are sorcery by which one attempts to tame occult powers so as to place them at one's service and have a supernatural power over others, even if this were for the sake of their restoring of health and or is gravely contrary to the virtue of religion. These practices are even more to be condemned when accompanied by the intention of harming somebody or when they have recourse to the intervention of demons. That's what the Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches. So if the spells in the books and in the movies are real spells, then I will say this. I agree with those exorcists who've made that objection. But, here's my big but. The question is, are they real spells? I ask this question because not every exorcist is anti-Harry Potter. Not every exorcist believes that the spells and the magic within the book and the movie are in fact real spells and real magic. In fact, there are some exorcists who have read the books and watched the movies and enjoy them and say and assert that they are not witchcraft, real witchcraft, and they are not real spells. Here's the thing about exorcists. Sometimes we point to exorcists as like our source and summit of our faith. Well, this exorcist said this, but here's the thing. Exorcists aren't infallible. Exorcists do not sit on the chair of Peter. Uh, and so uh, sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. And so it's kind of like the yoga question. Like the church's teaching on yoga is very clear. The spirituality is to be resisted. We are to refrain from engaging the spirituality of yoga. So if you've done that, this is the time to say oops and go to confession. Um, but as far as the stretches go, there's debate. Some exorcists say the stretches themselves are bad in themselves, and other exorcists say the stretches are fine and they're good and they use them. So this is where it comes down to personal experience and personal opinion in a matter of prudential judgment. So, yes, some exorcists do believe that the spells are real, but at the end of the day, that's not the church's teaching with regards to this book. Uh, these exorcists um, who enjoy the series would argue that it's permissible to read the Harry Potter books and watch the movies because, according to them, the spells are not real. In fact, in 2014, in an article in the, in the Independent, Rowling, she's the, um, or Rowling, 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 whatever her name is, she's the woman who wrote the Harry Potter series, and, and in this article where she was interviewed, she responded to a question as to why Wicca, which is the modern pagan religion that also used words and it uses um, words of witchcraft and wizardry to describe its members, why it was not represented in this series, uh, in, which is like the series that she wrote. And she said, it's a different concept of magic to the one laid out in the books. Like the magic that I wrote is different than that. So I don't really see how they can coexist. And according to many linguists, most of the spells that are in the book, the, the, the words that are used, the root words are from ancient uh, you know, languages in Latin to sound authentic. But ultimately, like they're, they're not. They're just words that were made up. So they're like made up words, a lot of them. Um, so 
we need to like keep this in mind. Now, now there still there are some practicing Catholics and even people who are in leadership in their church and who have a pretty big platforms who would then say, well, whether or not the spells are real or not and the words are made up or not, we still should refrain from like reading these kinds of books and watching these kinds of movies because they contain the use of magic. And you know, bottom line is the use of magic is enough of a reason to abstain from the series. And if this is going to be our argument, then and the only argument that we have, then we should also stay away from uh, authors like J.R. Tolkien, uh, who wrote the Lord of the Rings series, and C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. Because guess what? They contain characters who use spells and magic as well. But others would say, but the difference between like C.S. Lewis and Tolkien is that they were Christians and, and Rowling or Rowling, again, don't know her name, not familiar with her that much. Um, like she rejects the Christian faith. She's not a Catholic. She's not a Christian. She's not a disciple of Jesus Christ. And she studied witchcraft at a witch school. Now, here's the thing. Witches are real. The demonic is real. Trust me, I know. But did she actually go to a witch school and study witchcraft at this witch school? I, see, I don't know. Um, because that's, that's not public information. And so when people say that kind of stuff, I think we need to be very clear. Unless she comes out and like makes it very clear that she is a witch and she's been to witch school, then for people to make those kind of comments about her because somebody said she's a witch who went to witch school, that's the sin of detraction and gossip. And so to spread that kind of information would be a very serious sin. I would encourage us to pray with James chapter 3 before we ever say anything like that about anybody who is the image bearer of God. And she is made in the image of God like you and I are. So if it's true that she's a witch and she went to witch school, then yeah, I would definitely be kind of wary of reading the books and watching the movies. But to be honest with you, I don't know if that's true. So Catholics, are we free to read the books and watch the movies? I would say assuming that those of us, again, I don't plan on reading and watching the movies because that's just not my style. But for those of us in general who are considering to read these books or who have read them and liked them or watched the movies and who have watched them and enjoyed them, then the question is, is are we capable, do we have the capacity to make good prudential judgments about that which we read in general and general that which we watch? And then also, this is assuming that we are making informed decisions when it comes to whether or not we are allowing our children to see certain movies and TV shows and read certain books that they may or not be mature enough to read or to watch to be able to make distinctions between that which is good and that which is not so good. So hopefully that was helpful. We're going to take a quick break and we get back. We're going to dive into our final question about the greatest good, which is the most blessed sacrament, Holy Communion, our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay tuned. Hi, we're Jackie and Bobby Angel with Ascension Presents. And we wrote a book. Yay! Ta-da. Um, it's on discernment, which is figuring out the will of God in your life, which can be an exciting and yet exhausting endeavor. It's called Pray, Decide, and Don't Worry, Five Steps to Discerning God's Will. And we wrote it with Father Mike Schmitz from Ascension Presents. You might know him. <laughs> you may know that guy. The book is concise, but there's lots of wisdom for any person that really wants to do God's will. And it's a, it's a journey trying to figure out what God wants for your life. And so there's a lot of wisdom from things we've learned along the way. There's testimonies and, and parts of our stories to help you out. Really, like this is a book I wish I had as a young adult. Like This would have helped me a lot in my 20s. Discernment is a question we get asked all the time. Where is God calling me? What am I called to? What vocation am I called to? How do I know if I'm supposed to take it, this job? How do I know this? So we wrote this book to help you along the way to give five steps to discern whatever decision you're making and hopefully to give that peace and that joy that will come from making that decision. And the, the main goal is to help you grow closer to God along the way. 
So maybe not you, maybe someone in your life is wrestling with a really tough decision and you want to give them some kind of resource or encouragement. It's for if you've got a big decision, period. Yeah, so go get your copy of Pray, Decide, and Don't Worry. Go buy one for a friend. Buy one for someone who's not your friend. Love your enemies. <laughs> buy them this book. <laughs> go to ascensionpress.com and get your copy today. And we're back. Last question comes in from Anonymous and it's about our mode of receiving the Eucharist. Hey, Father Josh, I have a question about the Eucharist. Growing up, I was taught to receive on the hand during communion. However, when I went to college, everyone told me I ought to receive on the tongue because it's more devout. Is there a proper way to receive the Eucharist? Love your show and praying for you always, Anonymous. Yeah, thank you so much, Anonymous, for your prayers. I'm grateful, grateful, grateful. So the traditional method of receiving Holy Communion is on the tongue, period, right? That's the norm. Around the world, it's the norm. In America, you have options because the Holy See granted an indult, allowing the faithful to receive in the hand in, in many places, including America, but not all places. So there are certain places in the world where you can only receive communion on the tongue. However, there are certain places that have received this indult, and we have in our land. And so the new general instruction of the Roman Missal, it provides that the consecrated host may be received either on the tongue or in the hand at the discretion of each communicant. So this means that we have the, the privilege of either receiving on the tongue or in the hand. Uh, and when we do so, we should be respected by the minister of community. The ordinary minister is the bishop, the priest, and or the deacon. And so the bishop, the priest, and the deacon cannot say, no, you have to receive on the hand if you want to receive on the tongue. Or no, you have to receive on the tongue if you want to receive on the hand. In our church, we've been given the option in our country and, and there are a few other countries as well where the National Bishops Conference have applied for and been granted permission to authorize communion in the hand. So if it's permissible, then it's it's something that we can discern by the Holy Spirit what's the most reverent way for, for me to receive our Lord Jesus Christ uh, in Holy Communion. So I would say it is not more devout to receive on the tongue than on the hand, or it is not more devout to receive on the hand than on the tongue. It, it depend, depending on what's permissible. If you're somewhere else in the world where they don't let you receive on the hand, then yeah, it de it's definitely more devout to do the tongue because that's what's more proper. But in a place, in a space where Holy Mother Church is given permission for something, whatever the church is given permission for, I think it's best that we remain open to whatever the church says and to not be more prideful uh, or, or think that we know more than the Holy Spirit speaking through his bride, the church. So uh, it is, yeah, not more devout, but it is about what's the best way for you to show reverence to our Lord Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. I received on the tongue whenever I was a layperson, and now that I'm a priest, obviously, I consecrate the host with my hands. But that's just what I did. That's what I perceive the Lord invite me to do in prayer, but I'm not going to force what I perceive the Holy Spirit tell me to do for me onto you. So you could discern that yourself. Anyways, hopefully that was helpful. That being said, let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, as now, will be forever. Amen. All right, y'all. Go in peace, and I will see you next week. And also, if you watch my YouTube show next week, my show that I recorded is going to be about finding practical ways to overcome uh, the vice of lust. So if you or anyone you know struggles with lust, be sure to check out the Essential Presents YouTube show, the Ask Father Josh show, on Tuesday at 2.30 p.m. Central. All right, y'all. God bless. Bye.